Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Here's what's on tap today. It looks like uh, EPA is still planning on having a new EPA. Uh, WOTUS rule by next September, although some wonder if that uh, will be accomplished or not. But we'll talk about it with Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Also coming up today, have questions about the market facilitation program, that ag assistance package, what you need to do. Uh, farmers waiting, many of them, till harvest is done. Uh, not everyone done, obviously, but those that are or getting close to it, what should they be doing? Any questions you have? Well, we'll try to get answers today from Richard Fordyce, the administrator for the Farm Service Agency. And some changes uh, with some tax uh, items that you'll need to keep in mind. Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen, will join us to talk tax questions a little bit later on. But we're going to start things off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, Congress is out of Washington, so you are too. I am. I'm in. Uh, I'm in California this week. Uh, I'm uh, actually in Los Angeles at the moment. Uh, I think I want to try to figure out what is going to happen in these elections because I don't think that the that who controls the House or the Senate is going to be well. Who controls the House is going to be done in rural areas. It'll be mostly in suburbs, not in not in rural areas. And really, that's the focus now, right? Uh, what happens in those elections, and what happens after the elections? Well, indeed, that 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 is the focus. Uh, Senator Grassley said the other day that farm bill negotiations are stalled, and I think that's pretty much the case. Uh, you have uh, Senator Stabenow in Michigan running for re-election, the House ranking member Colin Peterson running, Mike Conaway, the chairman, running. The only one who isn't running is Pat Roberts, the chairman of the Senate Ag Committee. So I don't think those people are going to be focused very much on the farm, on real farm bill negotiations. Now, the staffs are still in Washington, and supposedly they're making progress, but they won't tell us anything that they've accomplished. Ranking member Peterson told me recently that uh, he's not into this wait till after the elections, and if the Democrats get control, then look at a new writing a new farm bill. He wants to get this one done by the end of this year, regardless of the outcome of the elections. And, you know, I don't doubt what he's saying, but I have to wonder, though, if there is a change in majority of either chamber, that has to change the dynamic somewhat, doesn't it? Well, I certainly think it does change the, change the dynamic. Now, the negative side of uh, waiting until next year uh, is that you have to start all over because it's the end of a Congress. So the bill that the bills that have passed the House and the Senate will be dead at the at the end of the year. So e- even if you start right away, it would take you know several months to go through this uh, through this process. And I would certainly think that if the Democrats take control of the House, the membership of the House Agriculture Committee will change because uh, well the the some Republicans will will be out, uh, and even some Democrats may choose other committee assignments. So you have a whole new cast of character, characters, and uh, Peterson is happy with the Senate bill, and um, I think that he would like that to go through largely as it is. 
but of course, Chairman Conaway and the Republicans want their very different bill, particularly on uh, food stamps and on this provision that would shift some some of the uh, money in the commodity title from the Midwest to Texas. So can they get it done in a lame duck session? Those lame duck sessions are are interesting and sometimes hard to predict what will happen there. I don't know. If they're really determined and if it's a high priority, but now we've got this issue, as Peterson has mentioned, we've got hurricane aid uh, coming up as a question, and the losses in in Georgia and and, uh, in Florida are turning out to be massive. So... Uh, who knows what Congress will be will be focused on when they when they get back? Meanwhile, of course, there's also a lot of focus on trade and what's going to happen there. Um, you know, the administration talking about working on trade deals with Japan and the EU, and you know, a lot of uh, talk about those things. Uh, but we're kind of waiting to see. You know, is there anything behind the talk? Well, yes. You know, uh, just in the last couple of days, the administration has come out and said they're going to do these negotiations uh, with Japan and the and the European Union. But now the European Union officials came out and said, no, we're not negotiating about agriculture. Uh, I was intrigued that the American Soybean Association said they were pleased that the agreement had been reached with Mexico and Canada, uh, and they're pleased about the other uh, potential negotiations but saying to the administration, don't forget about China. That's our biggest market. And with these tariffs that the Trump administration has put on and the retaliatory tariffs from the Chinese, they've lost that market. Uh, So they're still most of all concerned about China. With that new deal with Mexico and Canada, that still, though, has to get passed in Congress. Uh, How big a battle do you see that being? Well, you know, I don't actually see that being a a huge battle uh, uh, because I think there are enough provisions in it that the that the labor unions will like that Democrats would uh, would would vote for it. Uh, But there may be some Republicans who don't like some of the business provisions. Uh, So we'll have to see about that. But the big news today is that President Trump has threatened to withdraw that uh, if uh, if these uh, Honduran refugees or whatever they should be called uh get to the u.s border he's pushing mexico to control these people coming uh coming across so uh once again we're in a kind of uh, tenuous situation with this and to circle back to where we started on the elections uh, we know rural america had a big impact on the presidential the last presidential election but you don't think rural america will have as big an impact on these midterm elections well, not on the House side, because there are, quite frankly, so few House districts in which r- rural America is uh, is dominant, you know, because we have the law that every district has to have approximately the same population. But on the Senate side, they, they, they will have a big impact, uh, and it looks like it will be the rural states that keep the, Republic, the Senate Republican. Uh, but on the you know on the house side it's the uh, it's the opposite. North Dakota, those are going to be interesting races. Yes, Missouri, North Dakota, Indiana. Uh, uh, and, you know, the Washington Post says the North Dakota seat held by Heidi Heitkamp is the most likely to uh, to flip. Uh, it's odd the Democrats are doing a lot. 
than expected. Uh, McCaskill in in uh, Missouri and Donnelly in uh, in Indiana and uh, Ma- Mnuchin in um, um, Mansion in uh, uh, West Virginia uh, are are doing better than they were expected to expected to do. Uh, so we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to see. Yep, we'll find out soon. Jerry, thanks a lot. Enjoy California. Thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you and your and your listeners again soon. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, EPA continues to say it'll have a new Waters of the U.S. rule by next September. Will they? We'll talk about it with Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's get a WOTUS update. EPA says they'll have a new Waters of the U.S. rule by next September, but uh, some question whether that is doable or not or whether they'll be able to meet that deadline. Let's talk about it with Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Ellen, thank you for joining us. Do you think EPA can uh, meet that deadline of next September? Um, I do. I think I think it's I think it's doable. They've got their work cut out for them, but I think they're up to the job. All right. So, how far along are we in that process? Uh, some I think a lot of us would say, "Wow, wait till next September." Seems like they've we've been working on this uh, forever. Uh, how far along are they? Uh, well, they've been spending a lot of time, I think, uh, trying to think about how to how to how to articulate a definition of regulated waters that'll be clear on the landscape, um, and also uh, stand up to legal scrutiny because that's going to be challenged in court, whatever whatever the agency does. So um, I think it's smart to put a lot of thought into it on the front end. Uh, we should be seeing a proposal from the agencies. They're saying uh, within the next month. And then uh, they've got to they've got to take uh, take the time to let the comment uh, let the comments come in let the public have their say um, and then of course there will be a lot of there will be a lot of that there will be a lot of public comment we hope a lot of farmers and ranchers will be commenting on the rule and and uh, supporting a clear definition of waters of the U S um, and then it takes a while to process all that so I think a year is is actually a pretty a pretty realistic. And um, you know, and, and doable uh, time frame to to get it done right. But is that when it all things going as smoothly as possible? Is that when it would go into effect, or how long after that September announcement of a new rule would we be looking at for it actually taking effect? That that would be when it would go into effect. Okay. And let me say, there's another really important piece that is happening at the same time. It's not just writing the new definition, which is hugely important. We want a clear rule. We want clean water, clear rules. That's what we want. Um, but, but at the same time that they're writing a new rule, of course, they still have to take a final action to, to get rid of the 2015 rule that was passed under the Obama administration. That process is still going on, and, and it's kind of parallel tracks. Um, and that's really important because uh, right now that 2015 rule is on the is on the books and is actually in effect in in 22 states around the country because of the way uh, the legal challenges have been playing out to the rule. There's there's a significant number of states around the country that have that rule in a place in place. Um, EPA is planning to take a final action to get rid of that 2015 rule in March. They're saying now. And, uh, and that's a really important step. We need that to happen as soon as possible 
um, because those those farmers uh, and ranchers in those 22 states are in a, in a real difficult um, position right now. So they got to they got to take action in both of those respects. Yeah, it, right now it's a hodgepodge, as you say. Some states have uh, the old rule, some don't. It is, it is, and and while um, you know we everybody, I think, uh, hopes and assumes that that 2015 rule will go away and will go away, um, you know, in the not too distant future, um, it, it, for farmers who are actually having to move dirt or um, do anything that that might violate the Clean Water Act on you know wetlands, isolated low spots, ephemeral drains, any number of landscape features in those 22 states, right now, that's the law on the books, and that's a very difficult position to be in. So um, we want that rule to go away as fast as possible. And uh, we're also litigating in the courts still to try to make that happen. Uh, we got we got we have battles going on in a couple different fronts to try to even get relief from the courts because um, it's it's just not a good position to be on uh, to be in uh, in those in those states under that uh, that Obama rule right now. Yeah, this is a multi-front battle, that's for sure. We're talking with Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, so Ellen, in this process of writing the new rule, what makes you optimistic? that the new rule will be much better than the old one? Well, everything that we have heard from, from the people who are working on the rule is that their, their top priority is to make it clear, to make it clear so that an ordinary human being, <laughs> without hiring a team of lawyers and consultants and going all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, can identify what is a regulated water feature on their land? It needs to look like water. Um, that's been that's been a, a huge problem over the years. You know that that you have to hire consultants and lawyers and and sometimes go through years of litigation just just to find out what parts of your land are regulated by the federal government. So if clarity is their top priority, um, that that's that's huge. That's huge for us. And um, it's not going to be it's not going to be without a fight. Um, and it's not to say it's an easy task, but um, but it is it is doable. It is possible to describe features that look like water and to draw the line there. And that's what we really want to see the agency do. That seems to most of us it ought to be uh, fairly easy to determine, but it, it gets it ought to hold it, water. It yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we know it doesn't turn out that way. And whatever EPA comes up with or turns out someone will challenge it absolutely yes it will be challenged and and i am i am sad to say uh it, it won't be over when that final rule comes out um hopefully next uh, september or so it won't be over it's going to be challenged in court um and that's why it's 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 so important that the agencies do what they're doing now take their time think it through do it right do it smart do it in a way that's going to provide a clear rule to stand the test of time and the test of litigation. Why is it so hard to change a rule like this? Um, well, it's, it's hard because it is so contentious, um, and agencies have an obligation under what's called the Administrative Procedure Act to, to respond um, thoughtfully to public comments that are submitted. They also have other procedural hurdles to go through. 
Um, and uh, it's a system that's set up to, to hold agencies' feet to the fire to, to make thoughtful, informed decision-making. It also sets up, you know, uh, hurdles and roadblocks that people can take advantage of sometimes when they challenge agency action. And knowing that this is so contentious, knowing that there are a lot of organizations out there that see the Clean Water Act and the regulation of, of wetlands and other, you know, features on the landscape as a way to regulate land use activities, um, they're going to fight for that, those, those organizations. And um, this, it makes this a very high-stakes thing. Um, the agency has to do it very carefully. Yeah, I guess the answer to my own question was the reason it takes so long in, in, in part is because as much as agriculture and a lot of other uh, groups do not like the rule, there must be somebody out there that does and wants to defend it. There are an awful lot of, of organizations out there, uh, and, and I'm talking about, um, you know, environmental and other um, advocacy organizations that see this as a primary way to impose a federal regulatory regime on farming, ranching, um, and any other any number of other land use activities. But but believe me, agriculture is a prime target. You know, when the president campaigned on this, in part. Uh, his campaign was to get rid of the WOTUS rule and get a new one. And then he got elected, and even though we were told uh, that it would be a process, uh, I got a feeling a lot of us didn't think it would go, uh, we're talking now best-case scenario, in three years <laughs> into a, the president's term. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of us thought it would be uh, somewhat easier than this. I think we're we're learning the how hard it is. Right, and and um, I really can't say I really can't emphasize enough that that speaking from American Farm Bureau at least, we we have to support the time they're taking. Things can be done quickly, but then not stand up in court. Um, this is not meant to to issue a quick um, agency decision, take a victory lap, and then have it collapse in court uh, two years mm-hmm. down the road. That would be a hollow victory. We want a, a meaningful change to the law that's going to last. And, and so uh, we 100% support the time and effort that the, uh, that the agency is putting into this right now. Good point. We hope patients will be rewarded. Ellen, thank you for the update. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation with a WOTUS update. Up next, an update on the market uh, facilitation program, that direct aid to farmers because of the tariffs and the trade issues. Uh, How much has gone out? Uh, If you haven't signed up yet, what do you need to do? What are the timelines? We're going to talk about all that with the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce, joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. powerful threat calls for a greater response when there's a battle bring strength when there's a problem seek answers when there is doubt 
of hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector, defensive on the Thursday, an hour into the trading day, some 2 to 3 lower in corn, around 12 to 13 lower in soybeans. The weather is clearing. The forecast calls for mainly dry conditions over the next week to 10 days to improve conditions for the harvest in the Corn Belt, Northern Plains, Canadian Prairies, too. The 100-day moving average at 8.85 and three quarters on November soybeans said to be acting as strong resistance. We are just below support at 8.74 and three quarters an hour into the day. In corn, new crop December at 3.71 and a half. 378 and a half remains nearby key resistance. On the downside, the 100-day moving average at 372 is now support, along with Monday's low at 371 and three quarters. Wheat futures trending two to three lower in Chicago, two and a half lower in Kansas City, and a fraction to a penny lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures. A dime lower to 15 cents higher. Feeder cattle trending flat to 90 cents better in the nearby contracts. Cash cattle, a moderate trade taking place in the north on a dress basis yesterday. Mostly 174, fully steady with last week's weighted average basis Nebraska. Live deals in the south ranging from 108 to 111. Mostly 110 to 111, steady week with last week's trade. So far on this Thursday, seeing bids in Texas at 109. Lean hog futures, more losses, 70 cents to a dollar 25 lower in nearby contracts. The Dow down 132 points, NASDAQ down 53, S&P down 13, crude oil down 75 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Let's get an update on the market facilitation program, the Ag Assistance Package. Uh, Last time we talked with Richard Fordyce, the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, it was just about to start. 
and we were talking about um, how many farmers, of course, would wait till harvest was over. Uh, and some ha- are done, but the many others are not. So kind of interested to see where the numbers are at this point. Richard, thank you for joining us. Uh, how much uh, action have you received on this so far about how many farmers have applied for payments? Well, Mike, it is good to talk to you this morning. Um, you know, we, we've got a fairly, uh, obviously a fairly robust uh, opportunity for folks to come in. The numbers, and they, they continue, um, they continue to grow, as you, as you indicated in your opening, that as producers are required to bring in production to, um, to, uh, to be able to participate, and so it is, um, uh, so we're seeing a lot of that since harvest is wrapping up. But as of this morning, uh, about 97,000 applications for MFP. And so, you know, we've got to remember that those are certainly crop commodities, but they're also hogs and dairy uh, and a couple of new ones added, uh, sweet cherries and shelled almonds. So um, ni- almost 100,000 applications uh, at this point. How much money has been sent out? How much aid has been sent already? So we are getting close to $300 million um, as, of, uh, as of today. That, that number is close to $300 million. Um, but again, um, as, we, as we think about kind of what are the activities going to be, if you think about the Midwest and some of the, some of the weather uh, constraints that we've had there, you know, the last couple of weeks it's really slowed harvest. Um, and then some of the other issues that, you know, from a storage uh, or, a, or a market, um, you know, market access uh, problem has slowed, slowed harvest just a little bit. All right. So what do, let's go over this again, what do farmers need to bring in to apply for uh, the aid? So, so a producer really just needs um, just needs to come in on de- depending on the commodity that they are um, that they are that they are participating in um, a, a number of for production. So obviously for crops it's going to be bushels, um, hogs it's going to be number of head, dairy it's hundredweight. Um, and so they need to bring in that production, um, uh, that number. Now, uh, as far as certification, um, we also will need to know uh, during a spot check, uh, and we're going to spot check uh, some, some of these applications that we are um, – uh, that we need to uh, know what, how they are going to prove that. And so uh, whether that's scale tickets, settlement sheets, um, you can also use the um, combine yield monitor, for example, to, um, to, to prove production. So, um, so the producer will also have to have their, uh, how, what, what, what records they're going to use to prove production. Okay, that, that answers my next question. The, the yield monitor... Uh, would serve as proof because I'm thinking about you know uh, we have a lot of uh, bags out in the fields that never never get have not gotten to an elevator yet you know so they're still out there but uh, a yield monitor would uh, suffice for certification absolutely they are um, they are able to uh, to use a yield monitor I know there are some uh, there are some grain cart scales that actually have um, uh, that have tabulation ability uh, and can actually, you know, 
um, actually download that information. Um, and, and I know that we've had we've had some producers that actually list grain cart scales as um, as a method of proving production. We're talking with Richard Fordyce, administrator of the Farm Service Agency, talking about the market facilitation program. Uh, the harvest is probably going to really stretch out for a while uh, yet. Uh, is there any deadline on when they can uh, come in and apply? So, actually, application deadline is January 15th, um, and that is that is when the producer needs to needs to come in um, and indicate that they are that they are they are wanting to sign up. So January 15th. All right. Um, there was talk, of course, about this being only the first part of it. There could be a second part of this program. Uh, do we know any more about that? So, so based on the rates that were published, um, based on the rates that were published when the when the program um, kicked off in September, um, that those those rates per bushel, per head, per hundredweight. Um, will be will be paid on 50% of the production that the producer reports. Um, so on on or around uh, December 3rd, um, CCC um, the secretary are, will will run the models again and and determine what the what the impact is on prices as far as the um, as far as the the trade disruptions have. Uh, have created and see where we are on or around December 3rd. At that point, if there is a second uh, portion of the payment, um, again, depending on the amount and depending on the commodity, then that second half of production would be um, would be paid that second that second rate. When a producer comes in, turns in the certification and applies, what's the turnaround time on when you can get a check out to them? So it's pretty quick, um, and again, you know, they need to um, um, they need to have all you know bring their production in or their production number in. Um, we will, you know, we'll run through the run through the application process, and it, you know, it, it it's it's really pretty quick, Mike. I, you know, I couldn't say you know one day, two days, five days, but it's you know it's it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround. Now you mentioned they have until in, into January. Does is there any fear of, of waiting? I mean, even if they're done harvesting, uh, should they go ahead and do it now, or is there uh, an advantage, or is there a risk by waiting longer to turn it in? Well, uh, you know, I, I, there really wouldn't be, there really isn't a risk because the okay. production, the 50%, the first 50% of production um, that the producer um, reports um, will, you know, will, will, Qualify um, will qualify under under that first under that first payment so, or that first set of um, that first set of payment numbers, um, and so you know other than just if you're finished with harvest, um, you know if you are a pork producer and haven't been in, um, you, you know and you and and we need your hog inventory um, on August first, but that could go back to July fifteenth or as fo- as far forward as. August fifteenth to take in, take into account if a producer was in the middle of a turn and on the day of August first didn't have any hogs, 
Um, you know, but if you have that production, uh, if you have that production information, it, it's probably just as well to get into the office and get that reported and and indicate that you want to participate in in the commodities that that you grow. Because this first round of what is what 4.7 billion i guess i was wondering is there any risk of it that being gone before someone got theirs turned in you know i, I think um i think that the we will i mean we're going to have we're going to have enough money um to do that first 50 percent uh so i i don't i don't believe that would be a concern no are you hearing any problems uh, out in the country at at offices uh with this procedure, or has it gone fairly smoothly? You know, Mike, I would say it's gone. It's gone very smoothly. I, I occasionally get text messages and and phone calls from folks, um, really from across the country, who have uh, who basically <laughs> have wanted uh, wanted us to know that the process went very smoothly. Um, and you know, a lot of cases they were they'd received payment in just a few days, and it has been um, it's been it's been really good. Uh, I had a producer the other day that that uh, uh, from Iowa actually that sent me a note and said it took him 15 minutes to sign up and go through the application process. So, um, so all all good news on the MFP front um, from from our county office uh, staff perspective and producer perspective as well. Are you surprised that more haven't signed up already, or are you just? You figured it it would be a little slower because of how late harvest is for some folks. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think that is. You know, that's the that's the reason. You know, we've got. Um, you know, we probably have producers that are pork producers, uh, dairy producers, and corn and soybean producers. Um, you know, and so they can come in and certify their hog numbers. They can certify their dairy production. Um, uh, but maybe they're waiting on the corn, um, soybean, um, you know, the corn and soybean harvest to finish up. Have you broken it down to what uh, what parts of the country have received the most so far, or do you look at those types of things? You know, Mike, we do. I, I don't have that. I don't have that in front of me. Um, but yeah, we we absolutely do, and I would expect. You know, I would expect those to change as we as we wrap up harvest in um, kind of wrap up harvest in the Midwest, kind of our primary corn and, and soybean producing states. You know, will probably um, you know they're gonna they're gonna put a lot of payments out. Um, you know, there in in those corn and, and soybean producing states for sure. All right, Richard. Well, we'll check back in with you a little later when uh, more harvest is done and get an update on the numbers. But thanks for the update now. I know these are busy times for you, and we really appreciate you taking time to be on with us. Thank you. Well, thanks, Mike, and I do appreciate visiting with you. If I had just one more second to remind remind producers Mm -hmm. to also go to farmers.gov slash MFP, farmers.gov slash MFP, all the resources are there. There's all the information that they would need, and then any updates that may come out uh, related to this program would be there as well. It's a one-stop shop for folks um, to go in and get information, and also to, to initiate participation. Is also That option is also there on Farmers.gov. So um, urge, urge your listeners to go there and take a look at that. Farmers.gov slash MFP. Great. Richard, thank you. Good to talk with you. Richard Fordyce, Administrator of the Farm Service Agency on AOA Adams on Agriculture. 
We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, I want to thank Richard Fordyce, Administrator for the Farm Service Agency, for joining us with that update on the market facilitation program. Again, he said uh, they have received 97,000 applications so far and sent out close to $300 million at this point. And, of course, uh, with a lot of harvest still to go, uh, quite a few more will be expected to come in as harvest wraps up. But uh, that's where they are right now so got an update on that now let's get an update on some tax uh, situations joining us now cpa for clifton larson allen paul Neefer. hi paul how are you i am doing very good last time we talked we were looking at some tax changes tax code changes we needed to kind of keep an eye on what do we know what can you update us on yeah the the, the key thing is we got some proposed regulations on section 199a that's that 20% deduction that farmers are entitled to on their net farm income. And I guess the question is, would you like to hear the bad news first or good news first? So I'll let you pick which one you want to hear first. Let's get the bad news out of the way. Okay. The, the bad news for our, for our landlords out there, our cash rent landlords out there that are just uh, renting their ground to unrelated parties, you know, it's not part of the family farm operation. According to the regulations, and again, these are proposed regulations, they're not final, it is likely that that income is not going to qualify for the 20% deduction if they continue to cash rent it. Um, They might want to switch it over to a crop share, but I'm telling people right now, don't do anything drastic because, again, these are proposed regulations. They need to wait and see what the final regulation uh, will say. We had a hearing on it a couple days ago in front of the IRS and the Treasury Department. So we're hoping, you know, that they get the idea that they really should be able to get this deduction. So that's the bad news. Okay, what's the good news? The good news is that if a farmer has, you know, an entity that owns the farmland and it's being rented to their farm operation, whether it's a C-Corp or a S-Corp or a partnership or doesn't really matter, Schedule F, as long as they have at least what we call 50% common ownership, so you know, mom and dad have the, 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 the farm entity, mom and dad have the land entity, that's 100% ownership, then automatically all that rent income is going to qualify for the deduction. So that's the good news. You know, Even though it's cash rented, by default, it's not necessarily business income that it's being all rented as part of that farm operation, it's still going to qualify for the 20% deduction. 
Okay, as you said, these are proposals, uh, nothing set in stone yet. Uh, correct. Uh, and again, I said the uh, there was a hearing a couple of days ago, but there was a comment period that lasted about 40, well, even a little bit more than 45 days. They, they held it over a little bit. Uh, there's been a lot of comments from, you know, I'm a CPA, so our American Society of CPA has multiple comments uh, indicating that that rental income really should qualify uh, you know, but uh, we'll see what Tyra says. One other possibly bad news for our dairy farmers out there is that the proposed regulations indicated that when the dairy farm sells their raised breeding stock, you know, the cows and so on, once they are over two years old, if they sell them, all that gain is taxed as what we call capital gains. It's Section 1231 gains. Uh, we believe that that income should qualify for the deduction. It might get excluded later on. But the proposed regulations came out and categorically says that if that income is taxed as capital gains and none of it qualifies, we're hoping that's going to get fixed. So that, that possibly is some bad news for our dairy farmers. Okay. Any other tax changes or updates we need to pass along? Well, there's, there's continuing to be more and more regulations, proposed regulations that are coming out. Uh, we're expecting it could even be today or certainly I think it will be this week. Uh, there's uh, some regulations coming out on opportunity funds. That allows a farmer, if they sell something, it doesn't have to be land. It can be any gain. If they sell it, they could roll it over into one of these opportunity funds, which will defer that gain for about 10 years, and it'll actually cut the gain down by about 15%. It doesn't eliminate the gain. It defers the gain. And then we're also looking forward, uh, maybe not to, uh, you know, this could be the one part of the new tax law that's a little bit on the side of being negative for our farm clients, but there's some changes on net operating losses and what we call excess business loss. You know, under the old law, farmers could carry back their losses five years, and it was unlimited losses. Now your loss is limited, net net loss, business loss is limited to 500000 if you're married, 250 if you're not married. You can only carry that loss back two years. And then you can only offset 80% of taxable income. So hopefully those regulations come out here fairly quickly. And then the last set of regulations is supposed to be here at the end of the year. Again, as part of that 199A deduction, that grain glitch fix that happened back in March, there's some new rules on how farmers take that deduction when they deal with cooperatives. So uh, uh, hopefully that will be out before the end of the year so we can uh, – and get a pretty good idea how that deduction is going to work. We're pretty sure we know how it works, but we just want to confirm. And then I think I definitely should let farmers know it is likely that IRS is not going to be ready with all their software to let you file by March 1 this year. We hope if they're not going to be ready, they're going to let farmers know they have until April 15th to file and pay. Uh, but if we don't get that uh, announcement by January 15th. We're highly recommending that all of our farmers make that January 15th estimate payment. Uh, actually, in most cases, it actually saves them some money, but I think this year they want to be safe that uh, let's go ahead and file that. And then also probably maybe a slight negative. Farmers need to realize this is a very complicated uh, new tax law and likely their tax bill or tax preparation bill by us is definitely going to be higher. I mean, it, it, it is just extremely complicated to calculate this thing. Yeah, the good news is people like you can figure it out. Uh, the bad news, you're going to charge them a little more. It'll charge them a little <laughs> bit more, but likely for almost all of our clients, 
that they're going to see a pretty good size reduction in their tax. So hopefully uh, the good. reduction in the tax is substantially more than the extra bill that we might charge them. Yeah, we'll hope the, 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 good, the good news outweighs the bad news, right? Yeah, I, I think overall I still am, uh, believe that this tax law, on, on the whole for almost all of our farmers, was beneficial. There's always going to be those outliers where they're going to show a little bit more tax. But on, on, on the whole, it's definitely better than it was before. All right, Paul. We'll stay in touch. Thanks for the update. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. That wraps it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.